Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Crail. Today I'm joined by Sean Wallace, Andy Skinner, Jamie Durant, all vo- voices you know and love, perhaps. Um, how are you guys? You okay? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Ryan. It's Very awesome. well, thanks. Hey. This week, there's, there's plenty to discuss. There's Aberdeen's swashbuckling display against St Mirren. There's a bit of frustration again for Ross County with another call-off, but Inverness, it's been a pretty topsy-turvy week for them. There's been two cup exits, but there's also been a great and, and vital league win against Kilmarnock and Cove Peterhead and Elgin. I've also had differing weeks as well, I think it'd be safe to say. But yes, let's start with Aberdeen. Aberdeen, I think back in the top six now, um, a vastly sort of improved, impressive attacking display against St Mirren. And another performance in which I think a second consecutive performance would be safe to say, where the defensive display was also pretty good. Sean or Aberdeen back on track? Is it all up from here? Uh, I would like to say it's all up, but I was in this situation a while ago with a, when they took seven points from Hearts, Rangers, and Hibs, and I was convinced this that was a turning point. And it was the only way is up. So. Hopefully this is the turning point for the second time, but uh, well, two swallows, two wins don't make a summer, or since maybe two penguins don't make a winter. So uh, yeah, uh, uh, everything was positive against St Mirren, particularly defensively and in attack. I mean, David Bates looks like he's beginning to find his form. When he came here with a, a good pedigree, Scotland international, had played for SV Hamburg, but he wasn't reaching the heights that people had anticipated when he first came. But, I mean, Bates recently admitted that he was short of match sharpness because he didn't have a pre-season. It was, it was five months since his last game when he arrived at Petodri, so it took him a time to sort of bed in. But he's now really beginning to find that form. I thought he's, even at Celtic, when I lost 2-1, I thought he was very impressive. And he's, you know, he... Previously, he was indecisive. He was getting caught out of position, making like bad mis- like decisions which were costly. But now he seems to be like just oozing confidence. His positional sense is spot on. It means that he lost McCrory. He's not dragged out of position trying to cover for that. And overall, they just look so much more solid at the back. And it's also allowed Scott Brown to move back into midfield as well. So pushing, moving to that four, two, three, one. I had my mic muted, but when you said the only way is up, I did go, baby. baby. <laughs> but but I, uh, obviously, it's probably not that funny anymore. I'll, I'll leave it in though. Um, so yeah, but I think as well when we talk about the attacking display against Simeon, obviously there were four goals, there were a couple of goals really early, but I think we already knew that Christian Ramirez is a pretty deadly finisher if given the ammunition. We know that what Ryan Hedges can do. We've talked about him often enough this season. We've talked about Marley Watkins as well, but I think it's maybe worth putting a bit more focus on Watkins because I think since he's coming at the team and been playing regularly, it's it's really kind of obvious the trouble that his his movement and his running, his pace, his power give opposition defences. And when you combine that with J. Manuel Thomas coming back in the team at the at the weekend, I know J. Manuel Thomas has had his critics, but there's like certain qualities to his game, a sort of like a vision, ability to put his foot on the ball and pick a pass that maybe no one else has seen or thought about. Where like that all came together, the four of them all came together at the weekend and it was pretty deadly, yeah. Yeah. I mean it came together 
at the weekend, but there's no doubt in J. Emmanuel Thomas's uh, qualities and his skill and his vision. And when it clicks, it's fantastic to watch. But the problem is sometimes he's operating on a different level from his teammates and he could try all that flex and I'm not anticipating what's going to happen. Sometimes the simple ball is the best ball, but when it works, it's great to watch and it worked against St Mirren. And there's no doubt he's adding to the team at the moment after coming back, after quite a long spell in the sidelines and he's taking his chance. And Jets a lot like the Ramirez and that he's capable of doing the unexpected. I mean, sometimes like the Ramirez is like a magician and that he can get the ball in a difficult position in the box and somehow manages to fire off a shot, like create an angle to get it off. And I'm, I'm actually surprised the Ramirez isn't on more goals than 11 for the season. I'm sure there'll be more to come. And I'm sure Jet will continue to have an influence on the team going forward. Yeah, he's definitely got his value and I think to be fair everyone loves a back heel and he certainly provides those over the course of a game when yeah. he's involved. Um, in terms of Ramirez I think Duncan Shearer was writing this week in his column for the Press and Journal about how he's pretty convinced that Ramirez is now well on his way to getting 20 goals this season. I think they'd have to be you know he'd have to be out with the team maybe for that not to happen at this point um, which hopefully isn't the case hopefully he continues to be a fixture and we can week out the the sort of flip side well actually let's go more positive news first on the defensive side of things it was great wasn't it to see Andy Considine earlier this week tweeting that following his surgery for a serious knee injury that he suffered in Europe right at the start of the season I think away at Carabag it was but he's now back on the grass clearly training which means you know, it's, it's probably still a long road. There'll be a lot of uh, fitness to build back up and strengthen the knee to fit, um, to build back up. But just the fact that he's on the grass at this point shows that he's making really good progress. Yeah, it was fantastic to see Andy back on the grass. I mean, it, it was such a bad injury on an absolutely atrocious pitch out in the Carabag. And, I mean, cruciate ligament surgery takes a... I think six to nine months to come back. The initial prognosis was early New Year, so Andy's well on the, the road to reaching that target. I mean, he's such a key player for Aberdeen, not just on on the park but off it as well. He's so influential, so much experience. He's respected and liked by all the players. I mean, the fans love Considine. It'd just be great to see him back. Hopefully, after the winter break. Yeah, towards the end of January. I might be a bit too optimistic, but the signs look good. So here's hoping we'll see uh, Andy back soon. On to the more, I don't want to say negative stuff, but the, the stuff that maybe isn't working quite as well at the moment is well, it's the lone players that have come in um, this season. I'm talking about mainly like Matty Longstaff and Newcastle United midfielder, but there's also likes of Austin Samuels, players like that, that... Um, come from English teams and haven't really made an impact so far. I mean, I think we've maybe discussed this before, but certainly in Longstaff's case, there's been a lot of noise around him and potentially going back to Newcastle in January. Do we ex- do we expect that? I mean, he hasn't really he hasn't really set the heather alight, has he? I would I would expect him to go back in January. Yeah, I mean, Stephen Glass has said that they'll assess his own situation in January 
and new Newcastle manager Eddie Howe has also come out and said he intends to speak to Longstaff in the lead up to January to see where he's what his mindset is. And Longstaff, although Stephen Glass said his his attitude has remained spot on throughout, even when he was told prior to the St Mirren game that he wouldn't be stripped, he said there's been no problem with Longstaff's mentality or his attitude. But he came up to Scotland to get a regular start to hopefully push his way back into that Newcastle side. And I mean, with all the changes at Newcastle, with the takeover, the new manager, that could potentially become even more problematic for Longstaff to do that. So he needs to be playing regular football and not just playing regular football, but impressing whilst doing that. And that is not happening at Aberdeen. I mean, he hasn't started for a while. He, I think the last start was early October in the 2-1 defeat to Celtic. Uh, and when he has came on, he hasn't really done much. I mean, he, he came on as a late sub against Dundee United, lost possession when you try to dribble it past three ball, uh, three players, and that ultimately led to the the winning goal from United from the corner. Uh, I, I just think. I mean, when he came here, I had very high hopes. I mean, everyone knew what he did against Man United. And after that initial breakthrough when he scored against United, I mean, he started against Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea. So he had a fantastic pedigree. I mean, he's only 21. He's came here and played against all those teams. And I thought he would make an immediate and consistent impact for Aberdeen. His debut against Ross County, he was pinging like ambitious crossfield balls, but they were like finding their man. And I thought, oh, here we go, this is going to be a great signing. But he just hasn't kicked on. It's so frustrating for Stephen Glass, for Aberdeen fans, but more so, I think it'll be so frustrating for Matty Longstaff that he hasn't seized this opportunity. Yeah, I'm sure everyone's kind of wondering what, what has went wrong that it hasn't. Worked out with the other ones. I know um, Samuel's is kind of has imp- has impressed, and I, I know the, the from the gauge of the supporters would be that um, when they have seen him, they've been reasonably impressed by how quick he is and stuff. But that's obviously a difficult area of the pitch at the moment with the other players we've talked about today to get into. But do you think you know? Do you think there's a, a future for him, at Aberdeen? Yes, I do. If he gets a regular game, but like you said, it's so difficult at the moment. I mean, the times he has played, he's looked impressive, very fast, could take on a player. Uh, He's got skill. Perhaps the final ball maybe needs to be a bit better into the box. But he's certainly enough there that gives me optimism that Samuels could be a, a strong addition to Aberdeen. And of course, they've got the the uh, option to buy at the end of the loan deal. So he's fighting to end to earn an Aberdeen contract and to impress Stephen Glass. So he needs to get more game time and more starts. All right. Um, this weekend, um, it's a chance to redeem themselves away at St. Johnston. Chance to get a game on at St. Johnston, Andy. But um, the yeah, so they, they obviously lost earlier in the season. One of their most disappointing results this season was a 1-0 defeat to St. Johnston at home. Um, they're going away there. And yeah, I mean, they want they want to redeem themselves. I'm I'm sure, but it's just a game they can't really afford to not get a result in. I would suggest. Uh, I would say if you've got any aspirations of pushing up near the top half of the table, you got to be 
beating teams like St Johnston. I mean, it, 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 they are a strong, well-organised side. But if Aberdeen want to push for a European spot, they've got to get results against teams like this. And when they lost 1-0 earlier in the season, it was so frustrating because it was a catalogue of de- defensive errors that led to Stevie May's goal. But hopefully that defensive sort of vulnerability has now been fixed and they'll be a lot more solid at the back. And if you're solid at the back, it gives like the rest of the team, particularly the attack, that sort of confidence to try things and to push on, knowing that if they were to make a mistake, a mistake, then it's not going to be punished by a slip up in defence. So I'm, I'm, I, I'm back in Aberdeen to edge it, maybe one or two now. All right, we shall see what happens then this weekend. But yes, let's leave the Dons there. Let's park it. And after the short break, we'll speak about Ross County and Inverness. Northern Goal is brought to you in association with Aberdeen Sports Village. With memberships to suit all ages, Aberdeen Sports Village is for everyone in the community. I'm there all the time to interview athletes, play football on the indoor pitches, swim or use the gym. But you can also dive, choose from over 100 exercise classes, play racket sports, chill in the sauna and steam room, run on the athletics track and more. Achieve your goals at Aberdeen Sports Village. Search for Aberdeen Sports Village online for more information. Okay, Andy, first of all, Ross County, let's just briefly touch on them. It was another weekend of frustration. Um, the weather put paid to St Johnston view Ross County at uh, McDermott Park, but the Staggies, it feels like this season, I was talking about this to our colleague Danny yesterday, but it feels like they're kind of cursed in terms of building any momentum this season, Ross County, like they just can't get a run of games together. It feels like every other team's playing on a weekly basis and Ross County are playing like every three weeks so uh, far. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly I hope Sean's got much better luck than I did at trying to see a game at McDermott Park this weekend. Um, I was just glad that uh, that that didn't happen when I made the midweek trip down to Paisley just before that, because uh, no, that would have been a lot uh, a lot more of a hassle. Was um, was actually chatting to Stephen Ferguson, the the county chief executive, on the on the way out of the the game that never was, and we were kind of talking about how it was maybe a good thing that it was only Perth that we'd got to, but. Uh, you know, we both had to qualify that by saying it was still a four-hour round trip, which kind of just puts into focus the you know the travelling that the the county players and and fans have to to do for for away games, uh, as as well as that of Cali Thistle and, and Elgin. Um, but it was quite late, was it? Yeah, yeah, it was the back of back of two. So, I mean, it's just one of these situations where there's nothing that can be done. The weather, as we as we know, as we found out with Elgin again on on Tuesday can change very quickly in, in the Scottish climate. So, um, you know, you just have to put it down to, to bad luck. But to, to go back to your original point, it, it, it has been very stop-start for County and it, certainly it's the second time that they've had a, you know, a, a call-off at the 11th hour. Obviously, it happened with, with Hibs earlier in the, the season, which was a different situation with COVID and the Hibs camp. On both of these occasions, County have kind of gone into these games relishing the opportunity to try and build on good results, good form before that. Um, it, it seems as if any time that they're they're looking to try and really turn a corner. And I think on both occasions, they've had the chance to 
move off the bottom of the table. And that was certainly the big incentive for them on Saturday. So, no, it, it is very frustrating. But, uh, you know, I suppose the different um, situation this time around is the fact that they're immediately back into a, a really busy run of games. Um, it's seven games in, in 22 days. So, you know, certainly there are opportunities to, to pick up points there. Um, but it's vital that they, they do that now because, you know, you're starting to see some of the other teams down at the bottom end of the table, such as Dundee and Livingston, um, picking up points. How many can they put past Dundee in this game? Coming up, <laughs> they've, obviously, they've obviously got Celtic as well in the next seven days. The first one's vital, the second one's a bonus, I think it would be safe to say. But that 5-0 win over Dundee was like the result of their season so far. And you'd hope that they could... Well, I don't want to say could go one better up in Dingwall because let's be honest, if that happened, it would be very surprising if they'd done it again. But yeah, I think a victory pretty imperative in this one, yeah? Yeah, um, particularly with the Livingston result last night as well. Um, you know, it does threaten to open up a bit more of a gap if if Dundee, you know, get a result at Dingwall on, on Saturday. And, you know, clearly Dundee will be out for, for revenge. That That's a very hurtful result. Um to lose five 0 at home to a, a side that that hadn't won a game all season. Um, I remember being there, and you know the the fans were far from pleased with James McPeak and his players. Um, their response, Dundee has been very good since then, and you know County also have you know built on that. They've they've shown that it wasn't a well. I suppose it was a one off in terms of the the scale of the result. Uh, they, they wouldn't be expecting to to do that too often. But in terms of the form that they've built since then, they've only lost one in the, the five games that followed that came against Rangers at Ibrox. And they they have started to, to, to pick up points, results. They've ground out, you know, points as well when they've needed to. Um, but, you know, it is, it's, it's a really important period coming up because um, as, as we've touched on, you know, from that first round of fixtures, County were kind of left playing catch up just because they didn't pick up the the points that they should have, and the emphasis now is on trying to to sort of claw back into that pack of teams um, come the the end of the um, or come the the start of the winter break. Um, so the next the, break, the next break, yeah. Given there's been about, it feels like I know they're I know they they're they're enjoyable nowadays, but it does feel like there's been um, about fifteen international breaks so Aye. far this season and now we've got the winter break um, but yes Andy anyway anyway, so Inverness let's move on to them um, out of two cups in a week um, they went out first of all the Challenge Cup yeah to Wraith Rovers um, and then a couple of nights ago they went out of the, the Scottish Cup in their replay against Morton I think the same scoreline was it 5-4 or maybe 5-3 on penalties in that second one but they also got the 1-0 championship win over their title rivals, Kilmarnock, um, in Inverness on Friday night. So the question is, will Inverness be happy with that week? Uh, I would suggest not, um, going by mm. Billy Dodds' reaction to the Morton game anyway. Um, uh, yeah, no, do, don't get me wrong. Wasn't there. that an anti-Porter cabins rant, though, as opposed to a results-based <laughs> rant? Oh, no, there, I mean, there was a, a, a bit of a, a, a rallying cry at his players that was kind of buried within that, uh, that anti-Porter cabin rant. Um, no, I, I think he was far from pleased at, uh, at exiting the Scottish Cup at the first uh, time of asking. Um, 
yeah, you, you know, it's two penalty shootouts that they've they've lost. It's actually three if you go back to the the Premier Sports Cup. They they lost a a bonus um, point to Stirling Albion in a game that they had drawn. So I think you know there, there there's maybe a, a pattern emerging there in terms of losing penalty shootouts. It wasn't so much losing the shootout that that annoyed Billy. It was more the lack of killer instinct in um, kind of managing the game. Um, before it got to that stage, that that you know certainly seemed to bug him the other night. Um, however, you know you do have to put into to context the fact that they're they're top of the championship and that result against Kilmarnock on Friday um, certainly softens the blow to an extent of of you know being out of all the other cup competitions. They're in a you know a great position. They've managed to. Um, you know, keep themselves in and around that top spot, even when you know their league form wasn't uh, wasn't too hot. But you know, they took their opportunity to strike, and you know, they've, they've found themselves above Kilmarnock now. I think it it also kind of lays bare the fact that you know Kilmarnock, just when they've looked like potentially stretching up ahead in that uh, top spot, they've they've always seemed to to fall and. You know, if as the longer Inverness can just keep themselves in and around that area, you know there will always be opportunities. It seems to to overhaul that. So um, very encouraging from a league point of view. But you know, I suppose there's no better place to go if they're looking for you know motivation and, and redemption. Um, call it what you like. Um, than you know revisiting the the scene of the dodgy porter cabins this uh, yeah, well, Saturday. I was gonna I was gonna ask how will Morton react to Billy Dodge's um, claim that the the facilities for the away team weren't fit for vermin? Um, will will they make an effort to improve the facilities, or will there be a guy going around hammering out the remaining light bulbs to make them even more dark and even more chilly? I was thinking about this myself. I I think it would probably be the latter if that was my home ground. I'd be. You know, I think that would probably yeah. rile you up even more. So, um, yeah, not left the doors open on the porter cabin since uh, whatever night it was Tuesday night. <laughs> Aye, uh, and the Sparky's been round to make sure that there's absolutely no chance of the light being being on. Uh, no, it was a it was a strange one. It's not the the sort of thing that you'd expect. Um, you know, when the manager comes up to do his post match analysis, um, you know, there there could be a an element of trying to, you know drum up some sort of siege mentality for his players going down there again on Saturday. Um, but I suppose for the from the Morton point of view, I, I think it could fire them up as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see, but I think on, you know, in terms of league position and in terms of, you know, the, the fact that the two cup ties um, or the, you know, the two two games, both up at Cali Stadium and down at Capolo in midweek, both of them were, were tight encounters Inverness certainly had their their opportunities to to put them away before it got to the penalties. So, you know, I, I think they will know that they've got it within themselves to to get the, the three points down there. And the big carrot for them, I suppose, that is that they they know a victory will keep them top. And uh, no matter what happens below them, that's that's quite a good position to to be in when it's been so tight uh, between all the the sides competing there. The fixtures between well, the fixtures the next two weekends are actually quite favourable to Inverness, aren't they? In terms of, I think the the sort of five four teams below them are all playing one another this weekend, which means that they're gonna if they win, you know, 
extend their gap on at least two of the sides or maybe even four of the sides. Um, and then the following weekend, I think Park and Wraith, who are in that top five, are playing each other as well. So, I mean, there's another chance to kind of like, you know, to, to gain a little bit of ground on, you know, something like, again, either two of the sides or one of those sides. So, I mean, it's all looking good. The thing that stood out for me against Killy when I watched them on um, Friday night was... I think I mentioned this to some of you guys on Saturday night in a in a beer fueled haze. But Roddy McGregor, um, very impressive for me. I know he's still young, and he can play in a variety of midfield positions. I think Billy Dodds has got him playing out in the right, but I think he can also play as a ten or like a sort of more conventional centre midfielder. But are we expecting him to be maybe the next the next player that um, leaves Inverness for big money and goes somewhere? I, yeah, I don't think that would be too much of a, a push um, to suggest that. Um, you know, for some time, Roddy's looked like a, a really exciting prospect. Um, you know, when he first burst onto the scene, he was a, a breath of fresh air. Um, he's coming to the side with, you know, other young players as well, like Cameron Harper and Daniel Mackay, who obviously moved on to Hibs. And, you know, he's, he's just a, a really crowd-pleasing player. Uh, entertaining player but the fact that he's you know been played in so many different positions I think is also a measure of how how much he's trusted by 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 you know three different managers now you, you got to remember that he you know made made his first impact under John Robertson uh, continued to to play under Neil McCann and and now he's got a you know a focal um you know point in the in the team under Billy Dodds um so no, I, th- I, th- I think Roddy is a, a player that's bound to catch the eye at some point, but you know he's he's tied down on a, a long term contract and uh, a local lad that's um, you know very grateful to his hometown club for for giving him the the chance to to break through. So um, I th- you know I think he's a player that Inverness have to try and keep in in their starting eleven. And I know there have been changes here and there, but um, you know when Roddy is on on form you know he's a, a player that tends to help Inverness uh, pick up results you know he um he, he has a, a real influence on 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 the side's form so uh, certainly one to to be you know excited about watching develop in the in the coming months yeah and like any midfielder if he can add more goals to his game it's a, a double-edged sword because a will benefit his career but b will also allow us to use headlines like rowdy roddy sniper things like that <laughs> anyway Shane Sutherland as well I've got to say um obviously moved up from part-time football and we were kind of like well will this will this be his final crack at full-time football will he make a success of it or will it maybe go like his previous stints in full-time football have gone but I mean yeah um he, he looks to be um more than capable of playing at championship level I'd suggest I thought he was pretty impressive as well up top anyway absolutely I, I, I really, oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I just love the the Shane Sutherland story. I'll I'll be brief here, but uh, no, just from from having spoken to him over several years when he was at Elgin, um, clearly their their main talisman. Uh, you know, even though he, he was advancing through his twenties, he, he never had the ambition to still have one final crack at full time football. Um, it would be easy for him to to say, you know, I've adapted to a new lifestyle now. Um, you know, you know, I've got to put my livelihood first but you know he just never gave up um in in terms of having that that hunger and the burning desire to to you know find another route back into full-time football and the fact that it happened at the club that that released him uh, all those years ago um it was an opportunity that was 
you know everyone up here was was delighted for him um for getting so it's it's been great to see him you know make the most of that and he's become a, a real pivotal player um in in Billy Dodds's side this season yeah and i mean there are previous examples of players that really you know reached their their peak i suppose forward players in their sort of you know like 32 to 35 or whatever Dean Natale in Italy he's one that springs to mind anyway Enough about Italian football. Let's go to an Italian football fan after this break and speak to Jamie Durant about Cove and Peterhead. Right, Jamie, do you like that link? Calcio. Um, <laughs> Cove, not, not content with their 2-0 their win over Dumbarton and topping League One at the weekend, but they thumped um, a championship side in Queen of the South in the Scottish Cup at Palmerston in midweek to secure a fourth round clash at Easter Road against Hibs. I mean, what a week for Cove and when you know they've got Falkirk um this weekend in the league, a team that, you know, obviously had a probably were on the end of the result of the weekend weekend when they lost six nil. Um it's it's probably all looking good, I would say, couldn't this weekend for Cove. I can't see them being anything but like hugely confident and like determined to get another win under their belt well I'm, I'm sat here aka james richardson with my coffee and my uh my gazetta della sport just musing over cove's uh performances uh over the last uh week or so but uh no they've been they've been absolutely tremendous um i've been at kind of all all of their games over the last kind of 10 days or so just with the way the scheduling's worked out and it's you speak to anybody at the club, and it's just a tr- it's just a terrific place to be a- to be around at the minute. And they seem to have clicked into the sort of the sort of form that they were hoping for. Um, well, kind of started the Queen of the South game on on Tuesday night. Um, going down there, they should have probably put them to bed in the first game. They kind of created the the bulk of the chances and were undone by a couple of kind of let's just call it horrendous kind of decisions. But down there, there wasn't there wasn't kind of any real threat, I don't think, from from Queen of the South. I mean, there was, they had to kind of weather, well, weather the conditions, first of all, which were horrendous, but um, kind of a, a, maybe a 10, 15-minute spell from Queen of the South in the second half when the conditions and the wind were, was in their favour. But other than that, Cove were, were on top. They scored a terrific first goal through Fraser Fivey, managing to hold off his defender and pick out the top corner from about 20, 25 yards. And then... They managed the game really well after that, and I think the game noticeably changed in the second half when Rory McAllister came on. Um, he kind of came on for the last twenty minutes or so, I think. Um, it just gave them a little bit of more of a presence up front to hold the ball up, because um, at times it was coming, it was coming out of defence, and then it was just coming straight back where they maybe didn't have that focal point to build around. But when he came on, they seemed to be able to get up the pitch a little bit more, um, and then the kind of the the industry and creativity from from Blair Yule helped them with um, kind of the second goal, and then Mitch has kind of just capitalised on uh, a bit of kind of lackadaisical defending for the for the uh, for the third goal. But at the minute, you you can't have too much to complain about if you're a Cove supporter. Um, knowing kind of from my exchanges with Paul Hartley, they, he won't be kind of completely satisfied. There'll always be something to improve on, and. They won't get too carried away with the way they're playing just now, but you're in the semi-final of one trophy. You're you've got a cup away cup fixture at Easter Road in the new year to look forward to, and you're five points clear at the top of the division. It's 
it's it is a very good time. Uh, it is a very good time to be to be with Cork just now. Yeah, I don't know. I, they wouldn't admit it, but for me, they're starting to look a little bit like favourites for the the League One title. Obviously, Falkirk losing six to to Queens Park shows that Queens Park are pretty strong. But I mean, further down League One, you're looking at Peterhead as well. They got a two two draw with Clyde, which has kept up, I suppose, a a reasonably decent run that they've had. I mean, there, there's been there's been bad results in there, but I mean they've. In general terms, like in recent uh, months or the last couple of months, they've, they've been doing okay. They've been picking up points here and there. And they're now in a sort of position where you're thinking like two good weeks of results for Peterhead and they could be in that those playoff places or two bad weeks and they could be sort of, um, sort of down near the bottom again and like, you know, like being that relegation fight come the end of the season. How do you think it's going to go for Peterhead based on recent weeks? Well, I think they were disappointed with kind of the way last weekend panned out, given that they were losing, sorry, they were winning 2-0 and then they've lost two goals um, to end up drawing with Clyde. Um, This, I think this weekend is, I think it is a massive game for them playing East Fife at home, given East Fife are one of the teams around them in the table. Um, Rock bottom East Fife. Well, that's it. Um, At home at Balmua, I think Peterhead would absolutely fancy their chances of going out there and taking taking all three points and they have been playing with a little bit more confidence I think I mean I don't think they've lost too many games of late they might not have maybe won as many as they would have hoped for but they've not been getting beat um, and I think Jim McAnally sees a little bit of confidence growing in his team um, which is which is hugely important particularly when you've got an ostensibly a young squad that much of their performances I think are going to be built on confidence. Um, they've maybe not got the experience to kind of weather the the ups and downs of a season. Maybe they kind of one or two results. If they don't go their way, it can affect, it can give them a little bit of a, a dent in terms of confidence. But if performances are, if performances are kind of steady with, with kind of flashes of promise, and then you, you think that these kind of younger guys are going to be playing with a little bit more freedom. Um, and, I think you, they will probably look at these next few games as a chance to to get away from kind of the bottom end of the table. Um, I believe I think it's Dumbarton after after this weekend, and then the the Boxing Day game against Montrose has been brought forward to the twenty second. So they've kind of got three games in three games in the next ten days or so to stack some points on the board. I think going into the new year, and then I think that's them off after the twenty second until. Um, until the derby with with Cove Rangers on the second, um, so they'll have a little bit of a little bit of respite um, in that period. The I think the only the only kind of downside for them is that coming into into January, um, it's whether any of their loan players end up being recalled. Um, I think the big ones obviously Josh Mulligan, who's been such a key player for them in a number of positions this season, but. Seems to have found a home for himself in this right wing back role as uh, Peter Head have, have gone to three at the back. Um, he's been terrific for them, and so he's only he's still only a teenager. But it's whether Dundee see his progress and think he could play a role in their first team, or whether they look at how well he's been doing. He's been playing regularly. Whether they think it would be better for him to spend the full season at Peter Head. Um, I guess only time will tell with that one. But you've also got you've got Lyle Cameron, Flynn Duffy, and Danny Strachan there as well, um, who've 
kind of played varying roles. I think Flynn Duffy's been more of a regular of late with Ryan Conroy struggling with a little bit of injury. Um, Lyle Cameron's kind of been in and out of the team and Danny Strachan has, maybe because of the form of, of Josh Mulligan, um, has maybe not played as much as he would have hoped. There's also the situation with Ryan Duncan, who's been on loan from Aberdeen. Um, don't know yet what's going to happen with him. He's He got injured shortly after joining uh, Peterhead on loan. Hasn't um, hasn't featured at all in a competitive fixture for the Blue Toon. He's played in a couple of bounce games, um, but I think given that he's, his loan deal's due to be up in January any, anyway, I think there's a decision to be made there whether he does come back to Aberdeen or whether they say to whether they say to Peterhead, no, you can keep him for for the remainder of the season. Um, I think the logical decision would be to to keep him there because. It, Realistically, he's not going to go back and get into the Aberdeen team just now. So, if you've got a if you've got a manager and a team there playing at a decent level that would like to use him and give him kind of senior senior game time, surely that would make more sense than say just bringing him back to. Well, I don't think Aberdeen even have like a reserves or another twenty ones team just now, do they? So, it would make more logical sense. But then again, these uh, these decisions don't necessarily follow that path. Football's not a logical world. But yeah, it is a very similar situation, I suppose, to um, to Mulligan last season. Although I think he did tr- they did try and get him back from Dundee, but then he got injured again. Anyway, Elgin. Andy, just finally a little bit in Elgin. They, similar to Ross County, their hopes of having a game this week were dashed at the 11th hour. It was midweek against Kelty Hearts, um, which would have been a, a huge game. And it was, you know, it was all talked up about how could Elgin, you know become the first team to beat Kelly Hearts in League 2 this season, but they didn't get that chance and now they go to Arnon this weekend. I mean, yeah, another team, like we said about Ross County, they just can't seem to get a run of games and when they do get games played and they play, the results have been at times pretty disappointing. Um, do we have much hope going into the Arnon game this weekend that this could be this, you know, Elgin uh, racking up a win and, you know, their season only going up from here. Well, they've had over two weeks now to to kind of you know stew over their their last result, which um, was a you know a decent point against Edinburgh City. They'd come from behind, and that looked like it could be the foundation to to maybe kick on and get some get some form on the go. Um, that's what they've been. How how many games to. is that now? Do you know against Edinburgh City where they haven't won? I think it's eleven or twelve now. We're up to. Um, uh, it's it's a long time. It goes back to, I think, twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, maybe. So it's uh, a long hoodoo. But uh, the fact that they came from behind in that game, they got Jamie Wilson off the mark with his first goal for the club at a time when they're also welcoming Kane Hester back to fitness. You know, there was there was a lot there for for Gavin Price to to be encouraged about, but uh, just haven't had the chance to to see it through. Um, and the trip to Annan, it's a team that beat them 2-0 earlier in the season, but they've always tended to be quite close games. Um, you know, Elgin will look to go down there and, and you know, have a, a go at Annan. Uh, you know, they they pride themselves on being a, you know, quite a fluent team in, in that division. So I think they just have to try and, take out all their, their frustration from these past two and a half weeks um, and, and aim to get that result, which would be really important for them because, you know, during that uh, that absence, Cowdenbeath have closed the gap at the bottom. So 
it's um, it's becoming quite important for for Elgin to to move towards that that mid table pack um, and away from the you know the revived blue Brazil team that uh, that are on their coattails just now. Yeah, otherwise the end of season playoffs um, between League Two and the Highland League and between Tier Six and the Highland League are very much going to be the the P and J playoffs with all teams that we we um, cover involved. Anyway. That's it for this week's episode of Northern Goal. Uh, thanks to Sean, Andy, Jamie for jumping in and taking part today. Cheers, guys. No worries. Thanks, Cheers. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app. You can email northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk with any questions or queries. And yes, finally, let's hope the weather um, remains. I'm looking at my window. It's, it looks reasonably calm and dry at the moment. Let's hope it stays that way in all our teams get a game on this weekend if you're at a game enjoy it if you're watching a game enjoy it and if there are no games then well it's december so there's another one around the corner cheers hope you loved the episode and if you did we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.